after that. Over the course of the last few years with the rise of social media, the term fake news has really become popular. And fake news is, it's a mixture of both truth and lies or, or deceit. And yet it's presented often in a way where it uses the names of real people, real places, real, real things. And sometimes it's very uh, hard to know what is true and what is not. But often, especially in the last few years, there's, there's been a political agenda behind much of what we would call fake news. For example, just this week, the White House uh, tweeted, Oh, Sue, you are here. Look at you. You told me you were coming today. <laughs> Jay, that was the most beautiful wedding. Uh, it was absolutely gorgeous. Loved it. Thanks for... Um, yes, sorry. What was I saying? Uh, excuse me. It's like squirrel, you know. <laughs> Forgive me. Um, the White House tweeted uh, on their Twitter account, they put out that um, they, were, they were trying to talk about President Biden's, um, the, the legacy, the things he is doing, and they said uh, how uh, President, when President Biden took office in January of 2021, that a vaccine uh, had not even been made available yet. And immediately on social media, there's a lot of people that started posting pictures of President Biden receiving the vaccine in December of 2020 and saying this is not true, this is, this is fake news, often with a political agenda. But sometimes it has nothing to do with political agenda. They, uh, I also came across this week, um, a, 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 they had a picture of a beautiful U Ukrainian lady in a soldier's outfit and said that this lady had taken out 52 Russian tanks, which was absolutely not true, but it was reported uh, fake news. But there's one company that actually is in business to create fake news. The Babylon Bee. Now, if, you, if you're a part of social media, you might have seen this, but this social, the, ba get out of town. Terry, is it Terry? Jared, standing by the back door. Jeremy, get up. Jeremy, come up here. Come up here. You have got to be kidding me. Joe, this, Jeremy, come up here. Another squirrel moment. Forgive me. All right. Okay, that's okay. It's okay. Um, I was on my way home, Jay, from the rehearsal dinner on Friday eve, a rehearsal Friday evening, and as I was coming through Bentonville, coming through Bentonville, uh, there was a truck that I could see a little bit in the distance that was stopped, and its lights were blinking in the middle of the road, and so as, as I've told you before, any time I get a chance to stop and help someone, I do, because I always want to tell them why I stop, and um, as I got closer, this guy right here was, was helping push a truck uh, up into uh, out of the middle of the road in the gas station and as I parked and jumped out and tried to run to help the out of the driver's seat was Joe Fogle. Joe's car had had broken down in the middle of the road right there in Bentonville and this guy did not know Joe at all just eating dinner looked out his window and saw Joe pushing the truck and so uh, I jumped up and helped and we pushed Joe's truck out of the way and uh, this guy would Jeremy was a big help and and um, we put all the things away, and I, I just said, thank you, Jeremy, for your help. I didn't tell him who I was. Um, and at some point, Joe said, Jeremy, that's my pastor. And, and what did you say? He, he said. Oh, I said, oh, my. I've been sick. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. He's like, a oh, pastor, oh, forgive me for cursing, Lord. You know, like, uh, I don't really think me being here matters, but. Uh, we had, a, we had an opportunity to just start chatting, right? Yep. And 
this is so crazy because this is kind of where this sermon's going today. But uh, I, I just said, hey, Jeremy, you know, can I ask you a question? It's a question I love to ask people all the time. But, uh, you know, you believe in heaven and hell. And he said, absolutely, I do. And I said, if God were to meet you outside the gates of heaven and say, Jeremy, why should I let you into my kingdom? What would you say? And uh, I don't know. Believe in the heaven. Believe in the hell. Want to get to heaven. I don't know how. And it was, we talked a little bit, you know, kind of Jeremy kind of gave that same answer to me at, at some point that many people do, which is just, well, I really do try to be a good person. I mean, right? I mean, try to, try to live a good life as best you can. And then I, then I asked him, well, if, hey, Jeremy, if you could get to heaven by being a good person, why did Jesus have to die on a cross? No idea. No idea. And so I had the opportunity to stand there in the parking lot in Bentonville and be able to share uh, the good news of the gospel, that, uh, that Jesus came not, not just to give us his perfect righteousness, but he came to remove the, the sin from our life, to take away our unrighteousness. And uh, it's, it's a trust in who Jesus is as the Messiah and a belief that who Jesus, what, in what Jesus has done for us. Uh, that is brings deliverance and and I, I as I want you to understand I never you know try to talk someone into accepting the Lord that is a decision that they have to make on their own and so I prayed over Jeremy and Joe and I actually prayed over Jeremy and then then this this guy prayed over me but that was so kind and so sweet and uh, and I told him I'm the pastor of Mount Carmel and it's on the way to Stanley if you ever come and he's like I just might Uh, Good gracious. You, you, amen. My family, Jamie, would you have Jeremy sit with you? Yeah, my, my wife's right there, and uh, she'd be happy to. Thank you, man. Praise the squirrels all over the place today, huh? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Babylon B is a uh, is a company that's all about fake news. If you've ever seen it, it, it they, they go all over. They take the whole gamut of things. So here's one headline. They write things that appear to be true, and they attach an article to it, and they'll write the whole thing. And study shows 95% of church connection cards are completed by bored kids. And I have, we have definitely had our share of uh, connection cards filled out by Oscar the Grouch, uh, Big Bird, and other people. So, yeah. <laughs> it also hits politics. Uh, a government that's $30 trillion in debt criticizes Elon Musk for how he spends his money. Yeah, yeah. So politics, it hits you at home. How this, this was this week's article, how a husband patiently waits until after midnight on Mother's Day to ask his wife to change the kid's diaper. <laughs> yeah, it's great, right? <laughs> or this one, this one can sound believable. Amazon to enforce a new one-child policy on all female employees. And there's an article that goes along with it, and you're like, wow, is this really real? But it's all fake news and then this one's hilarious man struck dead after rating the bible app just four stars 
fake news. Yeah. The problem with fake news is that sometimes it sounds so believable, not only do you believe it, but you begin to share it. And that's actually why the book of Galatians was written. Paul, who was a missionary, the apostle Paul was a missionary, he began to, uh, on a journey, his first missionary journey, began to, to preach Jesus, see people come to believe Jesus. And you have to understand, at this point, they don't have the New Testament. We're reading the writing. What we're going to go over now is, is why the New Testament was written. They don't have the New Testament. They don't know all about Jesus. This is a verbal society. Many people can't read. And Paul shows up. He preaches Jesus. The Holy Spirit does the work of bringing conviction in hearts. People believe what Paul's telling about Jesus. But then Paul leaves. He's continuing on in his missionary journey. So he plants churches he sets people in charge of these churches to continue to preach the truth of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. But he goes on. And at some point, Paul hears that there have been people, and we're going to use the name Judaizer over the next couple of weeks, so let me just pause and say a Judaizer, is someone who was in the Jewish religion that took a mixture of the Jewish religion and Christianity and molded it together. And then tried to convince other people that faith in Jesus was important, but it wasn't enough. That yes, you must believe in Jesus, but you also must, well, you follow the customs of the Jews like circumcision. You, you practice uh, or follow the, the calendar of the Jews in their holy days. And, and you also follow the dietary laws of the Jews. And you must do all this to truly be a part of the family of God. That's what the Judaizers were, were coming. Paul was reaching a group of people who were not Jews. They were Gentiles. And I know sometimes these names may confuse you. Gentile is anyone who's not a Jew. Anyone in the world who's not a Jew. But the Galatians were Galatian Gentiles. They were Gentiles living in Galatia. And that's who Paul was preaching to. And yet these Judaizers came in after Paul left and said, Oh yeah, that... That thing Paul was telling you about, that what you're believing, yeah, it's, it's mainly true. You do need to believe, but you also need to. When Paul got word, he was upset. So that's why he takes his pen out and he writes this letter to a group of believers, Gentile believers, living in an area called Galatia, and he is going to say what you are hearing from those Judaizers is fake news. Let me remind you of what the good news is. There's only one gospel, and the one gospel says it is faith in Christ alone that brings salvation. Faith in Christ alone alone that brings salvation it is not faith plus anything we do salvation comes because we have empty hands and we look at god and say you are everything and we believe in what you have done not in what we have done this is a prevalent view of the world today prevalent view of the world today is if you talk to most people like the conversation I had with Jeremy and I have this conversation regularly with people if God were to meet you outside the gates of heaven what do you think you would tell him if he said why should I let you in and often it's 
Well, I try to be a good person. Hey, have you ever heard of Jesus? Yes, I've heard of Jesus. What do you know about Jesus? He died on a cross. Why did Jesus die on a cross? For my sins. What do you need to do to go to heaven? I need to be a good person. And there's this mixture of faith in who Jesus is and works of what we have to do. This natural assumption that salvation rests on on our shoulders. Like if I'm good enough, God will accept me. And Paul is going to write this letter to the Galatians to say, you do not earn eternal life. You do not earn it. It is not yours to earn. That's why our creator, the creator God, entered a creation that rebelled against him. And he came, and as that banner says, he was incarnation. The God became flesh. So that he could live a perfect life. He could live the law that we could never live. And then he died on the cross in atoning death for our sins to be forgiven. So we could have a way to God. We could have a way to the Father. And then he went in the tomb and he resurrected three days later to prove he really was who he said he was. And 40 days after that, he ascended back to heaven and he sits on the throne of this world today. That's who our creator is. He came to save us because we could not save ourselves. So Paul's going to open up this, this letter to the Galatians. And, and I just we're going to take the first five verses this morning is all we're going to get to. And we may not even get finished with that if another squirrel comes in. Uh, but we'll, we'll try it, right? I'm going to read the first five verses and then back up and go back to the first verse and talk through that one. It says, Paul, an apostle. Not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers who are with me. To the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us. Notice these next few words, because this is where we'll key in on the sermon in a few moments. To deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever amen Lord I'm just going to ask you know that man my mind is running a million miles right now would you slow it down can we focus simply on who you are Lord what you have done and as Jim mentioned this morning what you continue to desire to do in our hearts May this, may this just be all about you. In your name we pray. Amen. So Paul's going to start off by saying, I'm an apostle. Now, you, you may understand what an apostle is. You may not have ever heard the term apostle. There are people who claim to be apostles today. And, and in one sense, there are apostles because the word apostle means sent one. But there are no true apostles like we're talking about that were in in the scriptures those who were trained personally and sent by jesus christ himself but paul says i'm an apostle and i'm not an apostle by men i'm an apostle by jesus christ and he has a unique apostleship and this is what his foundation is going to be built upon on why he's going to be able to speak into the church the way he did because who you are who you are sent by and the experience you have in your life is very important it it holds weight when I was the wrestling coach for, I, I coached wrestling for 11 years. We went to, uh, uh, every year at the end of the year, we went to a tournament in, in Whitewater, Wisconsin. It was the end of the year tournament. And, and uh, Friday night after the wrestling ended, there would always be a small clinic. It was usually about a 15-minute clinic 
and you didn't have to stay if you didn't want to, but I always made our team stay because I always knew one thing was going to happen. There'd be this guy who was probably by this time in his late 50s, early 50s, late 50s, somewhere right in there, and, um, and he didn't look like he wrestled a lot at the moment, and he was a coach, and he'd come and he'd say, hey guys, I've got three techniques I want to show you today, and this, you know, the pattern was the same every year. He'd, show them a, he'd start to show them a technique, and I could watch. Most of the guys were tired from a day of wrestling. They weren't really paying attention. They were chatting a little bit, and, um, and the, he would teach them one technique, and he'd send the guy back, and then he'd, he'd walk over to a gym bag over on the side, and he'd pull out uh, two small boxes, and he'd walk over, and he'd pop open these boxes, and he'd show his 1972 and 1976 Olympic gold medals. Okay. Once that popped out, he closed the lids, put them back down, talked a little bit about what it was like training for the Olympics, winning the gold medal. And he's like, I got two more techniques to show you guys. And all of a sudden, nobody was talking. We're all keyed in. Like, they're, they're, these guys are now all of a sudden, because this man is not just a wrestling coach, this man at one point was the greatest wrestler in his weight in the entire world going to teach me something? I'll listen. Paul is going to use his apostleship as he's going to, to tell this church that is now, being, they've heard the truth, and now they're hearing the, the fake news, and he's going to tell them, this is why I have the authority to tell you what I'm about to tell you, because although we're not going to get to it today, after the first five verses, Paul immediately addresses, I cannot believe you have so quickly turned from what I told you. But before he gets there, he's like, let me tell you why I'm about to say this and what my apostleship is built on. And he's got, he's got three things about his apostleship that makes him very unique. By this time, there were many churches sending out apostles with the good news of Jesus. Paul says, I'm not sent out by men. Well, we get a chance in a few months to, uh, to send out Pastor Micah as, as one of our missionaries, one of our sent ones, one of our apostles from here. But, he's, but Paul's like, I didn't get sent by a church in Acts chapter 9. We read of Jesus coming to Paul from heaven and calling him as his own. Paul was... A unique apostle because he was called by Jesus. But he was also a unique apostle because of the 12 apostles that Jesus had previously called. They had no idea who they were truly following when he called them. He was a miracle-working, powerfully teaching rabbi, but that's all they knew. They didn't know him as the Son of God. Paul is somebody who's being, who, who's, who's being called by Jesus after the resurrection to say, Come follow me. I am the resurrected Lord whom you are persecuting. But Paul is also the only apostle, even the 12 that were called by Jesus, he's the only apostle that was called out of the church. All the rest were fishermen, tax collectors, tradesmen. Paul's this unique apostle called personally by the risen king out of the Jewish system and this would come to play because Paul would be the one to confront the Judaizers by saying I know what you're saying I know what you're teaching I was one of you and you are wrong and he wanted the church to know that too Paul uses 
not only his uniqueness as an apostle, but he also says, and the brothers. So he's a unique man as an apostle, but he doesn't have a unique message. He's going to be sending the message of the apostles who followed Jesus. And then look, look at verse 2. We read this to the churches of Galatia. I'm going to say something that I hope that you fully understand what I mean, and please don't take it and think, man, Brian, you're, you're just a heretic. You're, you're, complete, you're, you're way off. Paul didn't write the letter of Galatians to you and to me. Paul wrote the letter of Galatians to a specific group of people who were living in a specific place at a specific time in a specific culture. The, the letter of Galatians was not written to us. It was written for us. It was written to a specific group of people. See, I'm not trying to oppose at all someone who says this Bible is God's love letter to us. Absolutely. This Bible tells us all about Jesus. It tells us all about God. It tells us all about everything we need to know about eternal life. But the majority of the Bible was written to specific people who lived at a specific time. But it was because it was Holy Spirit-ordained words and writing, it's a, they are words that are alive to us. And so words that were written to first-century Christians are making a difference in the lives of 21st-century Christians. But what we have to know as we study through this letter over these next couple weeks is that this the Bible, the, the, the book of the letter of Galatians was not written to me. It was written for me. And so that means we're going to look and we're going to realize Paul was writing for a specific purpose because these Judaizers were coming into a church and trying to change converts who truly he had already spoken the truth to. So let me go on. He says to the churches of Galatia, grace. He starts with grace and he ends with grace and he's going to fill in grace a whole lot. The very last verse of, of Galatians ends with, with grace. And if you don't know what grace means, grace is God's undeserved favor, something we do not deserve that God gives to us grace. And Paul's going to continue to remind them, you didn't earn eternal life. It was a gift because you believed. Come back to that time and time again. He's also going to talk about peace. Peace that comes from God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then I just, I just want to key in on, on, on this, this one little phrase. Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil. Paul doesn't talk about Jesus as a divine teacher. Most religions look at Jesus as a good person. Yeah, he's a good person. Yeah, he was probably a good teacher. But they have their good teacher. See, Jesus, in this particular time, and this is probably what most theologians would say, this is probably Paul's first letter, which that makes, that's a big deal. Paul doesn't say Jesus who came to this earth to teach you how to live. 
which is what most of the leaders of other religions are have come they've come to show you the way to life to true life jesus did teach us how to live both in his example and in his words but even more than that jesus came to be a deliverer that term in the greek actually means rescue he came to to rescue us teachers are important but jesus said the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost jesus didn't just come to teach us how to live he came to save us from death that's what sets him apart from every other religious leader and teacher there's plenty of good religious leaders who teach their people how to live jesus came to save if you were in a burning building you wouldn't want a teacher to show up to say hey i have a structural engineering degree and just so you know the weight on this building pretty soon the load limit is going to be reach capacity because of the burning that's taking place and it's going to collapse on you you don't want to you don't want someone with a structural engineering degree. you want you want a fireman who's going to come in and who's going to rescue you and that's how we have to picture jesus he comes and he rescues us from the death that was awaiting us and he teaches us how to live but see through all of that he's taking us to the father which is eternal life we have such we have we have such a good god but in this particular passage Paul doesn't say who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the coming judgment. Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from hell. Who gave himself for our, for our sins to deliver us from separation from God for eternity. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, he's actually going to use very similar words to say, Jesus came to deliver us from the coming wrath. So we can't say that none of those are true. He did come to save us from God's wrath, uh, just wrath on sin. He did come to save us from an eternal separation from God. But we can't just simply say Jesus came to save us from hell. Because Paul says he came to save us from this present evil age. What does that mean? The main thing, the big thing it means is that Jesus didn't just save you from something. He saved you for something. He didn't just save you from eternal judgment. He saved you for a life of living for the kingdom of God right now now but i think sometimes and i'll say it, i'll say it again in just a few moments because I, I i wrote down something that i read this week had i was not studying for galatians it was another squirrel moment i was i was not studying for galatians i was reading a completely different book and i'm like that's perfect but but we'll get to it but but sometimes we confine the work of jesus to saving us from hell and and when we do that we limit what Jesus truly came to do. Yes, he absolutely came to snatch us from hell, but he also came so that we would live a life for the kingdom of God right now. We, we read this in, in John chapter number 17. I'm just going to show you a few verses. I don't want you to turn there. I'll just show them to you. But Jesus in John 17 is, is praying to the Father. And, and as he prays, this is what he prays for his disciples. I have given them your word 
And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Notice what he says. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. He's telling the Father, don't snatch them from the world, but keep them from the evil one. Give them protection from the one who is going to come to try to hurt them and try to deceive them. Now, now think with me, why does, why does Jesus not want his disciples, once they know the truth, to be taken out of the world? Hey, you're now saved from hell. Come on and be with me. And don't we sometimes as Christians, sometimes just like, oh, Lord, come, come now, Jesus, come now. Oh, Lord, come now. This world is getting so sinful. This world is getting so dark. Just come. You know why he's not? Because if Jesus would have taken the disciples at that moment, we would have no hope. We're gathered here today because of the work of the 12 disciples and our apostles that Jesus sent out. Those 11 minus Judas and the apostle Paul. As these 12 men sent by Jesus begin to go across the world with the message of God, what began to happen is there were people who were telling a world that was under the guise or under the leadership of the evil one. They were saying there's deliverance. Jesus has delivered you from this present evil age. That's good news that needs to be shared. If the disciples had been taken out, we don't have the New Testament. If you're taken out of the world, who's not going to hear about Jesus? And we all have a beautiful eternity awaiting us. We do. But we also have a mission right here, right now. 2 Corinthians 4, the Apostle Paul, same writer of Galatians, writes this. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Who's the God of this age? That's, that's Satan. But here's, here's the thing. What did Jesus just get done saying in John? I'm not of this world. Just as they are not of this world that means that the God of this age, if Jesus has come to deliver us from this present evil age, he's not my God. This God is not my God. You know who my God is? My God is the one who sits enthroned in heaven right now. And one day I will go to him. But there is a God at work right now trying to blind the minds of unbelievers from seeing the glory of Christ. And how then do unbelievers see the glory of Christ? through believers how did jeremy and i don't this is not at all a pat on my back not one bit how did jeremy end up in church today because joe's truck broke down and two believers were talking with jeremy about how good god is oh the god of this age is at work he is loving to blind the minds of unbelievers. And that is where we get to put the glory of Jesus Christ on display. Paul says another, another reference by Paul, Colossians chapter 1. He says, for he, Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
We have been rescued from this present evil age. We have been rescued from not seeing the glory of Christ. We have seen the Holy Spirit has done a work and people have shared the witness of Jesus and we have seen the goodness of God and we have been rescued from one world and brought into another world so we can truly stand and say this world is not my home I'm just a passing through my citizenship is in heaven this is not my home and the God of this world is not my God we've been delivered but we've not just been delivered or saved from we've been saved for the kingdom of God. That means that our salvation is not just about what is to come. It means what's going on right now. You've been saved for today. Jesus came to rescue you for today so that you could share the glory of Christ with others. This is what I read this week. I was reading, a, reading this book, and the author said, and, and please just listen with wide open ears. I don't want you to mis, misunderstand anything we say. He said, Jesus Christ died to pay for my sins is a completely accurate statement, but it actually limits the purpose of Christ's coming. He said, when we say Jesus Christ paid for my sins, we tend to think of a transaction that is complete. It's better to say Jesus Christ died to deliver me from the penalty and power of sin and for the mission of his kingdom. Because if what Jesus did for me was to complete a transaction to just pay for my sin, then I am free to walk away. That stung deep. He went on to say, but if what Jesus did for me was to provide liberty and freedom to live in his kingdom, then I must daily recognize his kingship in my life. If all Jesus did was to pay the penalty for my sin, I'm free to walk away. But if he paid the penalty for my sin to redeem me into his kingdom then every day when I wake up I realize I'm living not in my kingdom I'm living in his kingdom and I recognize the kingship of Jesus I, I thought man that is so great because that thinking can can be such an important step in our lives to keep us humble and centered when things don't go the way we want them to go could you imagine how upset you'd be if your pickup truck, the transmission just stopped in the middle of the road? What's going on, God? Right, Joe? What is, go what is going on? But if we recognize, well, I'm living in his kingdom, and when my truck breaks down in the middle of the road, our king is at work. changes everything because I mean I, I don't know Joe I, I, I don't know if Joe how Joe would answer this but I mean like I, I know that I would love for my truck to break down if it meant somebody would come to know Jesus I mean the eternal rewards of that 
And so when things don't go the way we want them to go, if it's my kingdom, well, yeah, I'm going to be upset that God lets that happen. But if it's his kingdom, we realize, oh, he's doing a work that I cannot even begin to understand. But I've seen his character and I've seen his holiness and, and, and I know who God is. And as my king, if that's what he desires in my life, I'm okay with that. Because when we go sideways, but we know we're still in his kingdom, and he's working all things for his good, for our good and for his glory, we could be okay, even when things don't go the way we want them to go. And so just in closing, the great thing about our Jesus is yes, he's a new king, and yes, he provides a new kingdom, but he also provides his followers with a new heart and a new mind to live in his kingdom. We no longer think the way everyone else in this world thinks. I mean, that's, that's why the gospel is called foolishness to those who don't know. But to, but to believers, the, the gospel, it's the power of God unto salvation. The world must look at Christians who find joy in serving others and say, why don't you serve yourself? Oh, because our king said in his kingdom that the greatest is the servant. And our king, he served me. So I'm just following his example. And the world goes. When you gather on a Sunday morning, instead of taking the time to, to live the life for yourself and find entertainment and refreshment and relaxation on your own, and then you even put money in an offering plate when you could spend that money on yourself and your families. And the world says, why would you do that? You say, well, because we are living and believing in a greater kingdom than just what's right here. We know God is building a kingdom, a great kingdom, and we can't even see it, but we know what he's doing and he is our king we are living for his kingdom we we want his glory not our own and the world says huh that's why christians who say yeah our good god he created man and woman in his image and we believe that even in the womb those children are made in God's image and we want to preserve life and why we believe that God chooses men and and women male and female he, he chooses that for those individuals out of expressing his image so we really believe that God created people to be who he wants them to be not who they choose or think they want to be and, and we believe that that a man and a woman coming together in marriage is a beautiful display of who our God is in taking the bride of his church to himself and the world says no 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 how you feel is what matters most and say actually what God said matters most and the world says now see see we have a new king new kingdom who's given us a new heart and a new mind that thinks very different than the world around us. So don't be surprised and don't be shaken when following Jesus means it puts you at odds with people who aren't following Jesus. They're living for a different God. 
Not, not, they're not bad people. I'm not trying to call them bad. They're living for the God of this world who has blinded their eyes from seeing the glory of Jesus that you have seen. And so we can't say, you're so stupid. We have to live in such a way that says, our God is so great. See his glory. Understand what he desires. And you will want to know this king and live in his kingdom for his mission because he has saved us from the coming wrath but he's also saved us from the he's also delivered us from this present evil age and so we are free to live for him now and one day we will freely live with him forever and it isn't has anything to do with how we acted what good works i've done it's all about what he's done for us that gospel is good news it's really good news and so if anybody ever tries to tell you it's not that's fake news. So Trin, Trin I'm going to have you come up, and I'm going to have you sing. And, and so, so I, I wasn't planning to do this song just till yesterday. But, but think, think of what it says. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Okay, two things. My Jesus, and I'm going to tell you about him. I know it's a cool song. It's a fun song. It's a, it's, it's a moving song. But it is a song that has a message that the people of Christ need. He is our king. Let me tell you who don't know him, who, who have been blinded by the God of this age from seeing the glory of our Jesus. Let me tell you how good he is. Because he's great. And he's delivered us from now. And he's delivered us for him. And let's live for him. Would you stand? We're going to close by singing this song together. Yes,